You see, tomorrow when we see my brother's family, we really get into the festivities and we've planned so many good things. There's going to be a lot of good food to eat. I'm going to get a new sous vide and gonna, I'm going to make the best tri-tip I've ever made. And then there's Star Wars and there's gifts and there's an epic Nerf gun fight. I'm really looking forward to it. But here's my honest confession. Last year we went I recently came back from a vacation, and my honest reflection is that on vacation, I, I don't really feel that close to God. And during the Christmas season, I want to feel closer to God, but my honest reflection is like last year and the last vacation, instead of feeling closer, I wind up feeling further away. And so I come back home, and I feel like it's almost like a vacation from God. And it's just that simple joy in Jesus, and I just feel like I'm just, just missing. Which is weird, because you would think that Christmas is a time you get closer to God, not feel further away. Now, can I just get an honest show of hands? I have no idea who feels kind of like I feel. But when you go on Christmas vacation, are there some of you who struggle and you kind of feel like, actually, there's so much busyness and festivities, and I actually don't feel that close to God? Can you just do an honest, like, confession? Thank you, Art. Art, okay, and some more of you, you know. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if, this, if I'm unique in this struggle, um, but there's something about the way that we do Christ, Christmas and vacations where we're not feeling closer. And, and there's something in mind, I want to feel closer, and so I, I'm a little bit mixed about tomorrow. That's my honest confession. Well, as I was thinking about the story of the Magi, and Scott got up here and read the story of the Magi, I started to realize that the story or the driving lesson of the story really does address this problem. So if you can relate to that, just feeling like you go through vacation and you're not feeling very close to God, I feel like the lesson of their journey has so much to say to us is such a valuable lesson, okay? So I, I want to ask you guys to just stand up with me. I'm going to pray that God will be speaking to us through his word and through their story and that he would really make much of this time, okay? We're going to totally depend upon God together, so pray with me. Father, I realize that in this room there are young and old Christians who have been Christians for a while and maybe even people who don't know you. Um, and I am praying, I'm asking out of your power on this day before Christmas that you would speak a word to every person here, not because of my eloquence, but because of your goodness. I know you have this amazing power through your Holy Spirit to personalize a message and just make it come alive. And so I'm asking by your grace that from young to old, from disengaged to fully devoted follower, that you would engage our hearts and speak to our hearts this morning about your goodness, about your worth. In your name I pray. this story is that it doesn't start when these magi step foot in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. It starts way before then. Now, who are these magi? Well, we get our word magician from magi. 
Their craft was the stars. Their science was the stars. So we're not going to judge them. That was their science. Now, they were advisors to the king. So I want you to think of a Jared Kushner. I want you to think of a John Kelly. These were men of importance. And they're looking at the stars, and they see something like this. Now, I found this through Google Images this morning. But I think they were, this is my theory, they, they saw something like this. Now, according to their science, you have the royal planet, which is Jupiter. That means royalty. That means a royal king. Okay? No. And then you see, can you see? And then you see Saturn. Saturn means Palestine. Now, they're in alignment. They're close together. And then it's coming into connection with, it's going to get progressively darker every second, you know. Uh, it's coming together with the um, constellation that's Pisces. Okay, so Pisces means last days. So now let's put this all together. It is the last days. There is the royal planet Jupiter, a king of unusual prominence, is being born Saturn in Palestine. You put it all together. Now, these are um, men, these are magi from Persia. And if you remember, Daniel the prophet did some time. He served the king of Persia. And during that time, he had prophecies. And so it could be likely that these men were connected and familiar with the prophecies of Daniel. And if you look in the prophecies, he talks about this son of man coming, this person of cosmic authority that is going to come into the world. Now, I imagine these magi are making these connections. Royal planet, king of unusual prominence, Palestine over there. Maybe they're looking at each other. They're thinking about what this means. I think they realize that a man is being born in Palestine, and he's going to change the world. I think he's the Christ that Daniel was talking about. He is going to fix everything that is broken in this world. He is a world changer. Now you just imagine, they're looking at this, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 men. They're looking at each other. One of them, the dreamer, we'll call him Belshazzar, okay? One of them says, wouldn't that be awesome if we all just went to go see this baby? You guys can turn on the lights. <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? Now, of course, in this group, you have the dreamer. Wouldn't that be cool? You also have the realist. And maybe the realist is on the other side of the table, and the realist would say something like, are you kidding me? Now, what do realists do? They go to the back, they get a scroll, and they have a map. And they put the map on the table, and the map's going to look like this. And sure enough, the realist is going to say, look, where are we? We're all the way on the right side. And where is Palestine? And where is all the way on the left? Now, how much distance is that? A thousand miles on a camel. Belshazzar, really? In the sweltering heat? Maybe another one says, yeah, I got a baby on the way. That journey is going to take like six months, three months. Are you kidding me? Another one says, look, we got responsibilities. I'm like Jared Kushner. I got all these responsibilities. If I go, I got to delegate a lot of stuff for six, three to six months. Now, the super realist, you know, the, 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 the one who does all the packing, the, the, he, he says, do you have any idea how much dried food we have to prepare, right? 
the dried fruit, the dried nuts, the dried meat, all on the camel. Now, this one's for my daughter. Like, I'm not trying to be inappropriate, but someone goes like, yeah, how much underwear do I need to pack for a six-month journey? That's a lot of stuff to pack. But one of them, I think it's the dreamer in the group, says, yes, but look, the Christ is being born. And you guys, we have this opportunity to see the Christ face to face. This is not a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is once in a human history kind of opportunity. We've got to go. We can be there. This person is going to change the world. Now, I imagine someone goes, yeah, let's go. You imagine them looking around the table like, let's do this. I know it's crazy preparations, but this is worth it. Let's go. And so there was a lot of preparation. There was a lot of work for the journey. It was a 1,000 miles on camels. It was probably a band of 10 to 15, maybe 20 men. Sweltering days, cold, dry nights. What do you do when you're on the road for like three to six months? Well, you talk. What do you think they're talking about? Night times, they're talking. What do you think they're talking about? By the fire. There's no TV. You can't get your iPhone and play video games or watch something from Netflix. They're talking. What do you, what's in their hearts? Oh, the baby we're going to see. Can you imagine? What do you think we're going to find in, in uh, Jerusalem? Oh, man, I'm so excited. This is going to be awesome. This is an, an amazing opportunity. What do you think we're going to find? You see, I think that this journey... This six-month journey was a journey where their hearts were soaring. God was doing in something inside their hearts. They were longing with desire. Now, two weeks ago, I shared the story of King Herod, and, and we walked through the text. So I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. But the Magi, they come into the city of Jerusalem. They assume that the Christ is actually born from the existing king, who is King Herod. And so they're asking around, word gets around to King Herod, who is the sitting king. And he and the establishment are freaked out. And so they call this council. And they get together the priests and the scribes, people who are expert in the law, and they, they quote a reference from Micah. They say, the Christ is going to be born in Bethlehem. Do you know how far Jerusalem is from Bethlehem? Six miles. It's just down the street. So Herod tells the wise men. He doesn't go himself, but he says, you go, you come back, you tell me where he is so I can worship him. They make the six-mile journey. These men are hungry. I don't think they, they, they waited and rested. I think they just went. They went so far, and they found out they're almost there. I think they went straight there. Now, the text says that there's some supernatural guidance that's provided from a star, and they, were, they had a lot of joy about that supernatural guidance. It led them to a house. They found Mary. They found the child. And then the text says they fell down and worshiped. 
Imagine Jared Kushner falling down and worshiping. He's married to Ivanka Trump. Some of you, I saw someone whispering, like, who is Jared Kushner? Falling down and worshiping a baby. Now, these three, they bring kingly gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Myrrh is something that you can use, among other things, to embalm. There's a message here that this baby is going to be a king, but he's actually sent into the world to be born to die. But they fell down and they worshipped. Now, I know you've heard that story before. So let me ask you, have you ever thought about what the driving message of their story is? What do you think the driving message of their story is? I think it's this. There are a lot of Christians who believe that the Christian faith is a matter of belief. Uh, Like, if I believe X, Y, and Z then I am saved, right? And then when I die, I'll go to heaven. But I think the magi here and the driving lesson of their story is that, yes, Christian faith is belief, but it's more than that. It's desire. Now, now think about this. King Herod, King Herod, he was six miles away from Bethlehem. I think he believed that this baby was the Christ. Otherwise, you wouldn't send a delegation of soldiers to try to destroy this baby. Am I right? I think the scribes who quoted Micah and said, yeah, you know, the Christ is coming to Bethlehem, they believed. Otherwise, they wouldn't have referenced the Old Testament and given that authoritatively to the king. But they didn't go and visit. The Magi was different. They believed, but they desired the baby. That was the difference. It wasn't belief. It was belief that made its way towards desire. I think their lesson is this. I think they would say that Jesus Christ is worth it. He is worth not just your belief, but he is worth your desire. I think they would say he is worth leaving everything behind. He is worth it. He is so worth it. And so my question for you today is, I know that most of you believe. But do you desire? How badly do you want Jesus in your life? What is Jesus worth to you? Now, um, I, I know that we have kids in the room, and so I was um, hoping to illustrate this point, but I need a volunteer, and I need a child who is between the ages of five and nine, okay? I think you're really going to like this exercise. Um, can I have some volunteer come? And if you don't come to me because that's kind of scary, I will come to you, Noah. I will come to you. Okay, you're going to like this, all right? You're really going to Okay, so can you say your name to everyone, please? Noah. Great. And how old are you, Noah? Six. And who is your favorite pastor? No one. No one. 
No one. Okay, there you go. There you have it. I'm okay with that, okay? The Lord loves me. I'm okay. I'm secure. Okay, Noah, I was in the car with my son, and we were playing this game called Would You Rather, all right? I don't know if you know how to play the game, but you give two scenarios that are equally desirable or equally undesirable, and then you have them choose. You, you've heard of the game? You guys have heard of the game? It's called Would You Rather, okay? Now, I gave my son this scenario. You can choose this or you can choose that, and I thought it was a really fun kind of option game, and so I'm going to give the same choice to you, okay? Does that sound good to you? Okay. I want to give you a gift, Noah, but here's the thing. You have to make a choice. I'm going to give you two gifts. You have to choose one. You got it? Okay, I'm going to give you two, but you can only choose. You got it. Okay. Here is the first gift. By the way, this is pretend, okay? Okay, all right. So now, th this right here is the gift. Okay, I am going to give you the option of a brand new Prius. Prius, Prius. Okay, and it's going to sit in your dad's garage until you're 16, and then you get it, okay? Boom, that's one option, okay? You understand? Okay, now here is the second option. It's a bucket of Sour Punch Twist Candy. And on top of that, dum-dums, and on top of that, M&Ms, okay? Now, I want you to look at these, okay? Look at these. You got this, or you can get this. You can only get one, all right? Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to boldly, you don't have to explain why, but just look. Boldly reach out and grab the one you would choose. Go, Noah. That is one smart kid right there. Daddy's very proud of you. You're happy right now, aren't you? That, was, that went the way, I didn't think that was going to go that way, actually. You know, but now I'll tell you, no, no, you're a really, really smart kid, and we can make much of your choice. I was in the car with my son, and I gave him the same option. I'm not going to say which son, but my son said, Dad, I choose the candy, but I want two buckets. Smart kid, right? Smart kid. Now, now, here's the thing. I think there's a lot of kids who are like my son. If I was my son's age, I probably would have chosen the candy. And here's the reason why. If I, the, the candy is right there. The candy you can see. The candy you can lift and put into your mouth. The candy will give you immediate satisfaction and joy. Am I right? But the key, it's like you can't eat the key. Am I right? I mean, the key is promise of something that's intangible. It's, it's made real by faith, but I can't see that car, and I can't really enjoy it right now. I have to wait until I'm 16. I want the candy now. But the adults who are watching this choice, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's so clear what is the better choice. You better choose that key or you're grounded until you're 16. Am I right? Because one choice holds so much more promise, so much more life, so much more future, so much more potential joy. Am I right? Isn't that the same way with Jesus? But here's the thing. If you choose one, you have to leave the other. The wise men made that choice. If we are going to go and see this baby, we have to leave everything behind. But they actually said, this baby is worth it. He's worth it. He's worth losing everything for. He's worth desiring and pining for in your heart. 
And so they left. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is absolutely worth it. When I was age 14, I uh, was invited to, to church. I mean, we were attending, and I went. There was a special speaker one Sunday. But during that time, my father had passed away, and there was this gaping hole in my heart. Now, truth be told, it was there before my father passed away. I mean, I, I just, I, I was old enough to know that this world is just kind of messed up and there's something missing inside me and I'm incomplete. I'm looking for something. And so I was in a lot of angst. I was insecure. I was depressed. And then I went to church one day and there was a speaker and he got up and he started speaking and just like something was different. And uh, he started talking about his relationship with Jesus. And he was just so in love with God. And there was such a joy and there's such a peace about him. And he was just amazing because he had this relationship with God where he was so close and God would actually say things to him. And I was this kid like, are you serious? Like God actually talks to you? Like you have this relationship with God and he actually talks? That's awesome. And there was something in me like, I want that. I so want that. And here's the thing. I was 14. I had I'd never had my first anything, my first kiss, my first, I, I didn't, there was so much I didn't know. But at age 14, I knew I've been looking for something and I'm all messed up inside. And I know that this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want. And so he said, who wants to commit your life to Jesus? I'm like, yes, I want that. I want him. And, and, and I didn't know everything that Jesus would give and Jesus would offer. And I, but, but it, was, it was amazing. I asked him to come into my life. There was a relationship that started on that day. There's been a joy that circumstance cannot take away. There's, a, there's been this rest that only he can provide. And then eternal life. What I wanted to do with the rest of this message is just talk about during vacation, what it might look like for us to desire Jesus. Like practically. Like when you go back home or on Monday morning, what would it look like for us to be desiring Jesus? What would it look like for us to find him desirable? What would it look like for us to say Jesus is worth it? I had a few ideas. On Monday, how many of you guys are, are hosting some kind of party? Anyone there? It's a lot of planning. Yeah. Um, you're cooking some really good, you know, food. Um, you're cleaning the house. Maybe you're buying last I think it's too late to buy gifts, actually, but, but you're doing some scrambling. It's a lot of work. You, you're prepared to, to have conversations with other people. What about this idea? What about during that day tomorrow, for 15 minutes, maybe for 30 minutes, you just steal away. You disappear. Maybe it's early in the morning as soon as you wake up, or maybe 
it's like in the middle of the day, but you disappear for 15, 30 minutes. I don't know where you go. Maybe you go to your, your bedroom, your, 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 your closet, or maybe you go into the garage and you just kind of hide away inside one of the cars, or maybe you just go for a walk. But you just go and, and then, and then you, you, you pray and you say, God, I'm stealing some time away with you because I just want to be with you. In, in a sense, I'm, I'm leaving everyone behind because I think you're worth it. And then you spend the next 15, 30 minutes with him. You know, some of you, like if we're being honest, some of you might say, you know, honestly, I don't actually feel like I desire God. I don't actually feel like I have a lot of desire for Jesus. Well, then here's my suggestion. You still go to your prayer closet. You still go into the garage and you, you close the door and you get in the car. And then you lead with that. You say, you say God, I am not desiring you right now. My, my heart is so screwed up. It cannot value the most valuable thing in the universe, even when it's right in front of me by faith. Help me. Do something here so that I can see you and see your worth and love you more. Hey, that's good prayer. God can do so much with that prayer. That's called repentance. How about this idea? I think a lot of us, because of school or because of the rhythms of work or whatever, we feel like we don't have much time in our normal um, schedule of life to read large portions of Scripture. But now, during break, during vacation, you do. You do have more time. So how about redeeming that time? How about getting away for an hour and just reading through the Gospel of Matthew? We've been going through that as a church bit by bit, but this is an opportunity to actually devour the whole book. In a sense, you're kind of leaving everything behind and getting lost in the gospel of Matthew because you're looking for a person. But there's this conviction. He's worth it. He's worth desiring. He's worth seeking after. Is he worth it to you? Here's the last idea. Um, during vacation, uh, we got a lot of really good things planned and, uh, and we can actually say that uh, God loves us, and so he's giving us so many gifts, right? And then during this vacation tomorrow, we're going to experience a lot of those gifts, and it's really, really cool. Here's the irony, though. What is the number one thing during Christmas vacation that actually keeps us away from God, that keeps our hearts away from God? I think, ironically, it's the gifts, Right? We get so caught up in the gifts that we actually ignore the gift giver. Okay, so this is the idea. The idea is that during Christmas vacation, every gift that we get, we give back to God. Who's with me? Zach, are you with me? Every gift you get, you give back to God. You're like, what are you talking about? Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me illustrate this. Let's say you're in Christmas dinner and you're enjoying some prime rib. Are you guys with me? Can I get some? How many of you guys like it medium rare? Raise your hands. Okay, just so you can see the blood. It's like dripping from the plate. Can you see it? Can you see it? 
You see, you see the all you. I don't know what you say. We call that, you know, right? The, the, the little gravy that is dripping with fat and goodness. Okay, you see the prime rib. Okay. Now, instead of just taking the prime rib and eating it and going, oh, good prime rib, you're not going to do that. What you do is you enjoy the prime rib, but then you go, what does the goodness of this prime rib say about the goodness of God? That's what you do. You take the gift and you give it back to the gift giver. You take the gift and you use it to enjoy something about the gift giver. Did you even know this was possible? You know, C.S. Lewis would talk about this. He would talk about how um, we, we enjoy the rays of the sun. But then we would trace the rays back to the sun. And that's what we can do during Christmas and all the gifts that we receive. You're enjoying a good conversation. I don't know. You guys are going to watch Star Wars. I don't, can, can we do this with Star Wars? I don't know. Maybe, you know. Uh, there's going to be some wonderful things. Can you take every gift and give it back to the gift giver? Can you take every big gift and turn it back into praise? Now, I realize that if we do this, it kind of feels like we're leaving that gift behind in our hearts. Absolutely. You're enjoying Jesus more, and he is worth it. He is worth it. He is worth your desire, not just your belief. He is worth your joy. He is worth leaving everything behind to go after. What is Jesus Christ worth to you? Let's pray. Father, I, I just want to pray this prayer on behalf of uh, my church because I can totally relate. We've been talking about desiring Jesus. And I just wonder if there is quite a few of us here who aren't really there. We feel like we're not really desiring Jesus. And I, we just want to come to you, Lord, and we just pray that during this Christmas time, you would be doing something with our hearts. You would be showing us what's really valuable and what's not. You'd be showing us what's eternal and what's not. You would be showing us what really gives joy and what doesn't. I pray that during this Christmas vacation, it wouldn't just be gifts, but we would be taking every gift, every goodness, and turning it back into praise, saying, what does this say about the goodness of God? I pray that during this Christmas, we'd be close to you, we'd enjoy you, we'd desire you, and find you utterly desirable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.